Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So I would like to start with a story. It's 2005. I'm in youth group and we go to New York City on a short-term mission trip. We're staying in the Queens neighborhood. And uh, they this mission trip kind of had us all over the place. Each day we did something different. One afternoon we went to a park. It wasn't Central Park, but it was a park somewhere in New York City. And they gave us this assignment. They, they said, hey, here's a clipboard and a survey. We want you to go walk around the park and get people to fill out this, this survey. And so they're, you know, they, they were, it's a buddy system. So I have a partner and, and we go walking around this park and it's, it seems like a daunting task because I don't really like to talk to strangers, uh, naturally, of course. And, and so, but the two of us were, were together, we're, we're walking through the park and we finally come across a lady. She's sitting on a bench and she smiles. We say hi. She says hi back. And we, we took that as an in, uh, an invite. And so I believe we sat down on the bench with her. We may have asked her name. Uh, we asked if she could fill out this this survey. Uh, but here's the thing about this survey. It like point blank, like gets very serious about people's faith or their, their belief system. And so uh, she, she takes the clipboard, starts to fill out the survey, and then like very quickly she hands it back to us and says, no, thank you. Uh, and that was kind of the end of the story. I forget if we walked away or if she got up and walked away, but it was just a very awkward encounter. And my partner and I, we we didn't talk to anybody else for the rest of the afternoon in, in terms of like doing evangelism or or something like that. And that was the point of this of this exercise, of this activity was, hey, go get people to fill out a question about their belief in God. And maybe through this survey, you will somehow lead them to Christ. I'm not saying it's impossible, but for, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old teenagers in the park, uh, it was just, it was, it was a super awkward experience, a super awkward experience of a form of outreach, uh, specifically that was in New York City, right? But well, today uh, we are talking about outreach. At large, today is about outreach, reaching out, reaching out for those who are not yet in. And so this is part three of our vision series uh, where we have been unpacking some values, some, some unique distinctives, uh, and, and we've been giving some commentary to to these values and, and we've been talking about them over the last number of weeks so uh, if you're not caught up we have uh, we have the sermons on the podcast on on the church website go go check them out please uh, but today is part three of three and just to give you some review here uh, we've been talking about the church as family. That is a big part of what we've been trying to get across here. The church is family. God the fa- God is father. We are his kids, and that makes us family. We look to Jesus. He is the model uh, of our faith. We, we look to Jesus. We are disciples of 
Jesus, and, and, and Jesus was a servant. And so perhaps we could say we're a family of servants. But you know what? We are also co commissioned together. We are sent out on mission to go make more disciples of Jesus. And so kind of putting all of it together, we are a family of servants on mission. A family of missionary servants. Do you hear that, PMC Beyond? We are a family of missionary servants. And so our third distinctive, our third statement that we're going to be unpacking today is this. Plymouth Meeting Church, we, we seek to be an active community on mission with God in obedience to the Spirit that demonstrates tangibly and declares cre uh, creatively the gospel of Jesus Christ to our area and beyond. And so what we have today is we are going to take a look at the early church. We are going to be in the book of Acts, and, and hopefully as we dig into this, this fringe marginal movement of Jesus people in, in the early days of the church, we're going to take a look at who they were and what they were up to and what they did, and, and hopefully we can kind of catch a vision of what it could mean for us to be a Holy Spirit-empowered Jesus community. So we are in the book of Acts today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in Acts 1. Uh, the author of Acts is a guy named Luke. And Luke is writing to this man named Theophilus. Uh, or perhaps that's a code name. It could be uh, a reference name to a church or another group. Uh, some sort of other academic out there. Luke is writing to somebody uh, or, or something named Theophilus. But let's uh, let's go ahead and read the first two verses here in Acts chapter 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And so Luke has been writing about Jesus. Okay, this is Luke's gospel account. Luke spent time fleshing out this gospel account, this good news account, all about Jesus, recording Jesus's actions, recording Jesus's words, his teachings. Okay, he spent, you know, he, he, he has a volume already, and now Luke is starting a second volume, what we call the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Again, he's writing to Theophilus, and Luke says that just before Jesus ascended into heaven, okay, the, the ascension is an important topic we'll have to circle back to at a, at a later date, but before Jesus ascended, he, he left instructions through the Holy Spirit. Through the Spirit, Jesus taught he instructed his chosen apostles, his, his ambassadors, his chosen representatives. And what I really want to emphasize here is that resurrected Jesus is still teaching through the Spirit. Like, like Jesus, after Good Friday, after Easter, after resurrection, it is still important that Jesus is a spirit empowered teacher. Isn't that incredible? He gave instructions through 
the power of the Spirit. And so if you look at verse 4 here, uh, Luke says that one of these instructions specifically is to wait for the gift, to, to wait for the promise, wait for the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is this promised gift that's given to the church, and it would come actually in the next chapter on the day of, of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And so while we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit today to, to receive the Holy Spirit today, there's still a mini lesson here about us waiting upon the Spirit, waiting for the Spirit to move. And I, I believe a portion of waiting is, is prayer. Holy Spirit, what are you up to in the life of Plymouth Meeting Church? I will wait for your movement. I will wait for your direction, your guidance. There is this sense of prayerful waiting, waiting upon the movement of the Spirit. I, I think that that lesson, that, that still applies today. We, we can learn to, to wait upon the Spirit of the Lord. Check out verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Holy Spirit is going to dwell in the people called the church. Spirit living with new humans. The, the, the junction of, of heaven and earth. And you know what? Jesus uh, so doesn't want to restrain this new humanity. They aren't to circle up, build a fortress, and wait for the end of all things, Jesus does not want to restrain these people. No, there is a sending out, and there, there is a sense of power here, a sense of empowerment. Jesus has these messengers, and Jesus is going to send them out to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And so while Christianity has such a local flavor to it, it's, it's, it's a local entity that comes with a global vision. Okay, the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus taught, they are going to be reproduced throughout the entire world. And it will be the work of these obedient new humans who are messengers, and they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So do you catch a little bit of the, the, the early glimpse, the, the, the very first impression of this, of this Jesus movement? In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit arrives. We're not going to uh, spend time there, but go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And so a little bit of time has, has passed and a little bit of drama has, has happened, but Luke continues to give us some impressions of this, this early church. So uh, in Acts chapter 4, look at verse 31. Verse 31, we find this praying church. They're praying for this unrestrained boldness, and they're praying for healing. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, 
and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. In this prayer meeting, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was like an, there was an earthquake that was, was happening. And then Luke gives us a little bit more of more detail, a little bit more of a glimpse here in verse uh, verse 32 to 35. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. And so this community here, the early Jesus community was a community that did life together. They this. This community seems to have no selfish bone in their body. This community is shaped by Easter and, and the grace of God. And they, they, they had this profound unity. Did you, did you catch that? They, they had a, a togetherness. And this togetherness like spun out this, this people group that had, that had great power. And what I'm really drawn to is, is the connection between prayer and power and unity and togetherness and, and how in that type of ecosystem, God's grace and God's power is just mightily at work. I love it. I love it. And I believe it's still something that is possible for us to have today. Turn to Acts chapter 5. Another impression of the early church. Chapter 5, verse 12. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all, they were all together in Solomon's colonnade. Okay? And so the, the early church, the, the apostles, they, they were certainly equipped with, with supernatural healings, miracles, and and, and healings were, were happening, and, and, and the Christians met up together at Solomon's Colonnade. This is on the eastern side of the temple, uh, the, the temple outer court there in Jerusalem. This is certainly one of the few or only places in town that could hold everybody. You know, this is the place where they could host the most people. And so in the Greek uh, the author here, Luke, he uses this word that, that we can translate as together, but it means like next level togetherness. The early church, these Christians here in Acts chapter 5, they are of one accord. That kind of gets lost in, in the translation a bit, but, but this Jesus movement had unity of purpose. Unity of purpose. Now, the next verse is really interesting. In verse 13, no one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. And so what we see here is the early church was highly regarded, okay? Yet some people, they didn't know what to think or do with them. They, they dare, dare not join in, okay? Now, isn't that interesting? Maybe they're afraid of persecution, 
maybe they heard the story the story of Ananias and Sapphira that that's earlier in chapter five. You know, you know who knows what is keeping them away. But but some people they they have admiration. They are speaking well of these of these Christians. Uh, they're not called Christians yet, but but you know what I mean. They 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 are highly regarded. Some people though are just not interested in joining in, and that is very very interesting. And then comes verse fourteen. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. Nevertheless, even though some people admired from a distance, men and women nevertheless believed. And right here, I have a shout out for the ladies. This is the first time Luke specifically mentions that women were coming to the faith family. Women, multitudes of women were coming into the faith alongside with men. And so this is a time and culture where women had low position, low status in life. But here's the thing. Jesus and his community, they had something different to say about that. Men and women were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We have this growing church, men and women coming to faith, Holy Spirit-empowered people. They, they are prayerful people. They are of one accord. They have unity of purpose. They're this, they are an active church. And you know what? They're a growing church, and their life is getting busier. Luke or excuse me, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of, of food and, and probably other, other goods. Uh, and so this is what's, what's happening here. The, the movement is growing and we're starting to have some tension. Language is a natural barrier. And we find this tension between the Greek speakers and the Aramaic speakers. Okay. Let's read, read on here. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to go wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The Jesus movement is growing. It was organic, but now it needs to be organized. And and the, the leaders, they're like, you know what? It's not in the best interest for this movement. It's not in the best interest for the apostles to be pulled away from, you know, they have a job to do. They, they are preaching the word, okay? But they, like, if they got pulled away from that to go wait on tables, that is not in the best interest of the whole movement. I don't think 
it's, it's not that they were neglecting it or uh, diminishing it or, or it, that they were too prideful to do it. They're just recognizing their role as preachers. They are heralds. They, they need to preach the gospel. Can we find other people to take up this responsibility? And that's what we see here. There's a responsibility. Let's give that responsibility away. And we see this in the early church. The apostles don't need to be the high and mighty ones, but they, they give their responsibility away. Other people can, 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 can make sure that the food and, and, and the water and, and everything else is, is there, that the soup kitchen is, is running. Give that responsibility away. Find appropriate men um, and, and, and women it was specifically men here, but but you you know like like find find the people who are gifted in this type of administration and 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 let others join in to get the job done. Verse verse five here. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, uh, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon. Carmenus and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Hmm. So there you have it. First comes the organic, then comes the organization. And uh, in this case, it was seven men. These seven men will help be administrators to this food distribution program uh, that's been developed, and, and they're going to oversee it. Okay? And this is really cool. The early church had church programs. Here we go. The, the early church had church programs programs and 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 that's okay healthy programs help help serve the ministry and 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 meet people's needs and and we see the proclamation of the gospel and then we also see the demonstration of the gospel we see preaching and action being able to take place in the early church in acts chapter 9 a couple chapters later, we see the conversion of Saul of, of Tarsus, later known as, as Paul. He gets saved, and, and then he is given this kingdom purpose of being the apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, to be very brief, you know, the early church was centered around Jerusalem, but very quickly uh, it, it spread. And, and Paul wasn't the only one, but Paul's ministry, he had a big role in that. Uh, he is taking the gospel to the nations. And very quickly, Christianity gets decentralized. The gospel is going to be moving, and wherever the gospel finds good soil, the Spirit is going to set up shop. And there we have that local flavor with a global vision. And so the Apostle Paul, much more to say about him, but he had this special kingdom assignment. But hear this, so do we all. We all have a kingdom assignment. Do you hear that? Do you believe that? 
Do you know that to be true? You have a kingdom assignment. Author Bob Ronglian, uh, he remarks here, he says, Every child of God is given a role in God's kingdom. No one has to sit on the sidelines. Nobody has to sit on the sidelines. It is all hands on deck. We have Christianity. Uh, it is a movement around Jesus, uh, and it has a global vision. There is this sending out. Nobody, nobody's called to be passive and just sit on the sidelines. It's the opposite. There is a there is an act activity. There is uh, uh, there is action. Being active is is baked into the movement. Having an active faith, meaning not a passive faith, but we are we are doers. We we get to go do these things. And, and, and that stems from our identity, knowing who we are in Christ and, and what he has called us to do, what he has called us to be. And 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 we get to grow up in Jesus and we have this missional impulse that, that's in our our spiritual DNA. A missional impulse. It's it's the opposite of of attractional. Okay, certainly uh, I I would love to have um, I would love to be an attractional church, uh, a welcoming church, and and hospitality and all of that. That is all good. And yes, let's be an attractional church. But that's only one side of the story. Okay, uh, let's be a missional church. The opposite of of missional is is waiting. Okay, uh, let's not just be an, an attractive church, but let's be ascending church. Let's 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 get out there uh, and 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 let's let's move and 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 shake and stir and and spur spur on the gospel and, and the conversations and the activities that we do. Having an active faith. Born in in, in 1745, there is this English evangelical writer named Hannah Moore, and she writes this, Action is the life of virtue, and the world is the theater of action. The world is the theater of action. Having this active faith that is just played out in our everyday life. Here at Plymouth Meeting Church, we have a commission called Community Connection. And it's it's in the name. How can we connect to the community? That's why that commission exists. We also have this this uh, this group called Missionary Fellowship. Uh, they oversee like our our missionary budget, and they you know Missionary Fellowship helps to raise money and and support our missionaries and all of that. But it can be so much more uh, than that. We'll be talking about Missionary Fellowship, uh, God willing, in the new in the near future. Uh, but missionary fellowship and community connection, these are the arms of our outreach here at, at, at Plymouth Meeting Church, reaching out for those who are not yet in. And sometimes that, that does mean supporting organized, professional, lifelong missionaries. Sometimes that, that means just organizing uh, you know, a two-hour workday in Norristown or something like that. And so... At Plymouth Meeting Church, we we want to pick up this active faith. We we want to be an active family, an active community on mission with God, in obedience to the Holy Spirit. 
And we want to do this by demonstrating tangibly and, and declaring uh, creatively the gospel of Jesus Christ to our area and beyond. I want to paraphrase one author. Uh, he, he says, you know, let's join in with, with the Spirit and let's make the dream of God become a reality. Let's make the intangible tangible. And so what that means is let's keep being prayerful about seeking out and speaking out Jesus' love for others, for this area. Let's be inspired by the early church they weren't perfect, but, but there, is this, there is this impression in the first couple chapters of, of Acts and throughout the rest of the New Testament. We, we see this early church, this simple church, this devoted church, this spirit-empowered, prayerful church. Let's be inspired by them and keep the torch going. And that means being creative. And I'm not talking about being, you know, I'm not talking about gimmicks or, or fads, but, but how can we just relate the gospel in a way that makes sense to the people in our lives? We need to do some cultural diagnostics, but it's possible we can find the donkey that Jesus is going to ride in on. So what are some ways that we can engage with with Plymouth Meeting, or the area that, that you live in? That is, a, that is a great question to ask. Just, just what can we do? How can we do it? So now I want to start wrapping up all of this. The, the last two weekends and today, we are Plymouth Meeting Evangelical Congregational Church. Plymouth Meeting. 1686 was when it was established or settled, founded. 1686. 3.8 square miles is, is Plymouth meeting, and there's about 7,500 people who, who live here. Of course, uh, there's a good number of our congregation that comes from other suburbs, uh, but our church, you know, we, we've been here for a long time, since the 1800s, right here in Plymouth meeting. Uh, we, we got started in a, in a saddle shop a long time ago, and we're still here today. We are a church within Plymouth Meeting, but let's go a little bit further. We are a church that is in with the people of Plymouth Meeting. Okay, Acts 1.8, remember, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Plymouth Meeting in Lafayette Hill, in Conshohocken, in Norristown, in Philadelphia. We are in with the people of Plymouth Meeting. And what that means is, is we're called to have a relational presence here. A relational presence. And so I encourage you to, you know, let the Spirit move you and shape your imagination of what a faithful presence looks like in your life. As someone who's shy, I, I, I swing on the shy side of things as an introvert. I need the Spirit's help. I need the Spirit to give me an imagination of what a faithful presence looks like in my own life, okay? 
I encourage you to, to do that for you. And I like how Leslie Newbigin puts it. He says, the church in each place is to be the sign, instrument, and foretaste of the reign of God present in Christ for that place. We are evangelical. That means we are people of the good news. That means we're all about Jesus and we look to the cross. It is the center of the gospel. The gospel is the center of our, our faith. We're all about conversion, uh, meaning we don't like cold, dead religion, but we are chasing after a, a convertive experience. Uh, uh, when, the, when the heart grows strangely warm and, and, and you know, we, we, we are filled with with a, a Jesus knowledge where, where we know and we have this assurance that we're saved and, and, and we, we can say that we are Jesus people. We, we love conversion. We crave that. We, we want that for, for everyone. We're all about the Bible. And yes, we are about activism. Historically, evangelicals, they, uh, they, they, they started societies and, and movements and organizations. And, uh, and, and we are a part of this historical movement called evangelicalism. It goes back to the Reformation, maybe even back further, but but it's 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 a movement. It, it, it's a broad movement. It is a beautiful movement. It's a diverse movement. Uh, the 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 modern missions movement is is a part of that. And there's a lot of evangelical heroes in our history. And there are some warts and and some dark sides too. But we are evangelicals. We're people of the good news, and we want people to know all about our Jesus. We are congregational, meaning that we are our own unique church. We don't have a hierarchy telling us what to do. The reason why we have these commissions and, and, and the way that I speak and, and lead on ministry council that comes with a certain flavor because I don't have somebody telling us what to do. We get to create and, and endeavor to do the ministry here on the ground level. We don't have a hierarchy telling us what to do. The congregation is responsible for its own health, for its own ministry here. It's our job, our responsibility to do the ministry here. We are congregational, but we are not independent. And we need others. We are a connectional denomination. We are a relational denomination. We need to share resources with the kingdom, uh, for the kingdom of God. And so kind of putting all of this together, going back two weeks ago, last week, today, kind of wrapping all of this up, like who we are. This is Vision Month. Our vision statement is to change the Northwest Philadelphia suburbs by putting mission and discipleship back into the hands of everyday people. That it's not just my job or ministry council's job. It's not the denomination's job. It's all of us together. All of us, the saints, each one equipped with gifts and graces. Let's encourage one another. 
Let's put this missional impulse back into our bones, discipleship back into our bones. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of our Jesus DNA. And so, you know, that that New York City park story that I, I started with, you know, they gave us this survey and we ended up having this very awkward outreach moment. In hindsight, now looking back 16 years later, I really wish the coaching or the, the, the mentorship that day would have been like, hey guys, go find somebody to talk to and just be with them. Listen to them. Strike up good conversation. Perhaps you'll see an opportunity to, to just speak some good news into their lives. Maybe, maybe you will lead someone to faith, to Christ, right? Maybe. But that day, that lady on the bench, she didn't need a survey. No, she, she probably just needed a good conversation, a good friend. She already greeted us with a nice, big, warm smile. What if we could have just been ourselves and just had normal human-to-human conversation? So that's our challenge. That's our opportunity is to, as we think about being mission, uh, you know, mission disciple makers, you know, a, a family of missionary servants, as we just think about that, as we think about putting mission and discipleship back into the hands of everyday people, like, uh, you know, just us in our own life, as we think about that, really, the opportunity is, how can I just be myself and and, and casually spread the good news and, and listen for opportunities to share good news. How can I just love on, on others? One, one disciple maker says, discipleship moves at the pace of relationship. Relational evangelism. And you know what? It might take a couple years. It might take a while to build those bridges, but to just just be yourself, to be prayerful, to be seeking out the, the Spirit, to be moved by the Spirit. And so I want to give us some actionables here. It starts with, with prayer, asking for the Spirit to, to open up your eyes. It starts with observation. Look around. What needs aren't being met in your neighborhood? We live in an affluent area. It's kind of hard to find blatant needs, but there are plenty of needs in our area. Ask God to reveal those observations to you. Think about what does it mean to be a relational presence in your neighborhood? Go on a prayer walk around your neighborhood. Go on a prayer walk. I started this week with a prayer walk and I got to see a couple di different things. On my on my phone, I took notes. I said, God, open my eyes. I and I just on on my on my notes app, I just jotted down different things that I saw. Maybe it means something. I'll circle back to that list that I made 
of the things I saw that day. And maybe the Spirit will, will give me a nudge on something. Another actionable is, I want you to dream, church. I want you to dream about Plymouth Meeting Church, who we are as a people. Think about and dream about the resources that we have. We have a building, a parking lot, a big church yard in the suburbs. Dream what what our property could be, what our people could do, where our people could go. Would you dream about that? And finally, the, the last thing, certainly not the least, and there's certainly more to share. One of our opportunities here is that our groups and our commissions if we can mobilize them, send them out, fellows on fire, ladies on fire, Zoom, Zoom, call, Zoom call groups. If we could send out these groups and, and be little teams that, that spread out, instead of waiting for a, a, a big structured program uh, and, and some, some type of big machinery that, that is gonna take a lot of energy and resources and, and, and certainly we do stuff like that here. But what if we could just send out our groups, go pick up trash, go, go serve some, some food, go, go shopping for people. I, I don't know. What if, what if we could mobilize our groups here at Plymouth Meeting Church? And for you beyonders out there who, who live uh, a little bit further away, all of this applies to you too. Look at your block. Do you know your neighbors? Look for needs. How can you be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? How can you change where you live in the name of Jesus Christ for his glory? And that's our vision. Ultimately, is to bring all glory, honor, and power to Jesus. That's what we have for today. God bless.